podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome to the Anglo-Italian Podcast. You're joined by me, Adam Gibke, and as you can tell, this isn't the dulcet tones of Rory because unfortunately he is unwell. However, I am joined by my favourite Juventini friend, and that is Francesco. Francesco, how are you doing this evening? Hey, Adam. I'm good. I'm buzzing to be back on the pod. Thank you for having me again and looking forward to uh, our chat. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, it sounds like your little boy has been keeping you up for most of the night. Um, but yeah, it seems like you're keeping quite yeah. well, looking even just on through the video at the moment. Uh, you're doing quite well. So uh, well done on maintaining that look. Because even after a few nights, I was shattered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the incredible uh, capacity for the body to adapt to a very l- lack of sleep that <laughs> has been going on for some time now. <laughs> Well, fair play. You're doing quite well. So, um, Francesco, we've obviously got a packed podcast today. Um, we'll be talking about the legend that is Gigi Riva. Unfortunately, he did pass away on Monday night at the ripe age of 79. So we'll be reminiscing and talking about who Gigi Riva is, because I think this is a character that has been pretty much more of a kind of folklore figure for Italian football but not well known across Europe so uh, it would be good to reminisce about him. We'll obviously talk about the Supercoppa so Inter Milan did win this uh, for the third consecutive time as well so we'll talk about should it be rebranded the Simeone and Zaghi Cup for sure. Um, We'll also talk about the Carabao Cup semi-finals so there's two great ties that took place on Tuesday and Wednesday night Uh, so we've got a fantastic lineup for the final. We'll also talk about the preview. So we've got FA Cup weekend, fourth round, some good ties there. But also in Serie A, we've got some juicy ties. And then we'll go into Tiki Taka Toe. So mm-hmm. let's see if I can keep my winning streak. Exactly. Let's see if you can do it against me this time. So more importantly, folks at home watching and those listening, hold up for and we'll see you after this break. Riva, Riva, Riva. Tiro, ed è gol, Riva, Riva ha segnato, 3 a 2 per l'Italia. He was otherwise known as Rombo di Tiono, or as translated into English, Clap of Thunder. Yes, that is Gigi Riva. He passed away at the ripe age of 79 on Monday night and uh, bought incredible scenes in Calgary, in Sicily, with 30,000 people paying tribute at his funeral. Um, but Francesco, he, he has kind of a good following, a good feeling about him in Italy generally because he brought Italy to Sicily, didn't he? And um, what's so special about this incredible character is that he was just phenomenal in front of goal. He scored 10 consecutive seasons as being top goal scorer. He brought the Scudetto to Calgary, which is unheard of in those times as well. I mean... Just just to give us a flavour of like what he meant to Italy and just in general, like from your point of view, what, what has been kind of the kind of thoughts and the feeling about Gigi Riva? He was uh, a bit before my time, but um, I think he's uh, the type of footballer and character that united 
uh, Italians. Uh, people loved him regardless of the team they were rooting for. Mm. Uh, he did what probably every supporter uh, would love to see, which is he stayed in the club until uh, he had them win their only Scudetto. And uh, he was just an icon for all of Italy. Um, newly represented the, the first uh, true um, footballer that was loved and uh, idolized all throughout the country. Uh, so I think that's the reason behind uh, his uh, great success. Mm, 100%. I mean, reading up on his record, I mean, he's more well known for what he achieved in the 1970 World Cup for Italy. Um, but when we're talking about that goal-scoring record as well from a national team-level perspective, this is what's truly remarkable about it. He scored 35 goals in 42 appearances. Now, when you compare that and contrast that to sort of more modern-era players, so your likes of Roberto Baggio and Alessandro Del Piero, they only come as close as scoring mm-hmm. 27 international goals apiece. And they obviously had a lot more appearances in comparison. I know he kind of had this aura about him as well because um, there's a funny quote about Marcello Lippi in his kind of obituary about him. He said he was a great smoker. Um, But what I think is really nice to hear is the sentiments of like people like Gigi Buffon who talks about that 2006 World Cup winning team and it was because likes of Riva were in the background with Marcello Lippi and they kind of gave that aura and advice and help and, you know, that support mechanism, which, you know, the likes of Totti even reminisced. And, you know, even Baggio at his, obviously, funeral was there as well to pay yeah. respects alongside the likes of Fabio Cannavaro. And they spoke about this warm, gentle man. But he was a man of very little words. This is the common theme that I've heard is that he wasn't really much of a talker. But when he spoke, people listened. Um, this is, I think, the signs of what a truly great person is, you know, someone that is very little words. He's not about himself, but actually he was just incredibly respected, I think. And um, you get that sentiment, certainly from the media. I mean, how how's it been going down in Italy anyway? Uh, I mean, the media have, have been praising him and everything he's done for Italian football, uh, for Cagliari. Uh, I think uh, I read... Um, Zola talking about him saying that his Riva was one of the reasons he started football and got passionate about football so this can give you an idea of the type of person he was and as you said a lot of the footballers we've loved and uh, got to admire were inspired by what Riva did for uh, the national team and for uh, Cagliari well, from the podcast, all we can say is rest in peace, Gigi. Hope you enjoyed your life here on Earth. And uh, yeah, great to get to know the legend that is Gigi Riva. Hi, my name is Dimitri Constantopoulos and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. So, Francesco, we'll move into the events that took place on Monday night. And that was the Super Coppa. And uh, we did see Inter mm-hmm. Milan confirm a third consecutive Super Coppa. Um, I think the whole game uh, was interesting to watch because obviously Inter Milan kind of struggled even when obviously Napoli were down to 10 men through Giovanni Simeone being sent off. And, uh, you know, I feel like Napoli were unlucky on occasions. Um, But despite this, they got a late minute winner through Lotaro Martinez. I mean, the likes of Marcus Turan probably should have scored earlier in this game as well, to be fair. Um, But 
there's been a lot of sentiment about the competition, whether it should even happen at this stage of the season, um, but also about the fact of um, these cards that have been accumulated as a result, because you've got the scenario of uh, the likes of Nicolo Barella as well as Hakan Chanaloglu, who are going to miss the league match against Fiorentina. Fiorentina, ironically, were also there, and they will be missing Christian Bereghi, who also accumulated another yellow card as a result because it's accumulated as part of the league campaign as well. However, the strange thing about this, Francesco, the Coppa Italia, when a player gets a yellow card, it doesn't count towards the league. So it's just so bizarre. Um, But I wanted to kind of turn this uh, conversation more around the performance. um, But also, we've got that Derby Italia coming up soon as well. So obviously, you being a Juventus fan, you must be loving your current kind of run at the moment especially as um yeah you're scoring lots of goals we were joking about this on monday night show but you're scoring a hell of a lot of goals at the moment how are you feeling in the build-up to this are you feeling a bit nervous or are you kind of looking at this very confidently at the moment uh i think it's going to be an interesting game uh the fact that at the moment we're ahead in the Serie A is going to put pressure on inter um, we're playing without pressure and we're playing without European competitions. So we have the advantage in that sense. Uh, in terms of performances, uh, surprisingly, we've been playing uh, and scoring a lot of goals. I think Vlaovic picking up his uh, form has a lot to do with it. Mm. Um, but I've been slacking off Allegri a lot. Especially <laughs> last time we spoke and I was on the pod, I was kind of joking about the fact that uh, his game was very... Uh, defensive mm. but I have to admit um, and I am a Juventus in the end so I am quite happy of what is happening uh, he did fix the defense and that was the first issue we had and he's done an amazing job because we're a team that considers a very little goals so we're very hard to play against because our first objective is not to let the opponent score and now with the form we've picked up up front I think we've become even more dangerous so it will be interesting to see how we cope with Inter, who's been playing some really good football. They're very direct in their attack. And if they have the whole team with the likes of Marella, Chanaloglu, and Lautaro Martinez and Turam up front, they can be very dangerous. I mean, they're the ultimate test for us in terms of seeing how strong our defense is. So it's lining up to be a really good game to watch. And I mm. hope it will. Are you worried about the fact that Inter Milan sometimes aren't playing as well as they have been at the beginning of the season, but they're getting a lot of these late winners at the moment? Um, I personally think there's going to be quite a tight match because I think, you know, Allegri's not going to be stupid. I don't think he's going to play overly attacking sense-wise in typical Allegri fashion, right? Um, But at the same time, uh, as much as Inter are very expansive at the moment, they're seemingly having this knack of getting wins at the moment, which I think in previous seasons, I think they struggle sometimes. And I think maybe a contribution of that is just that kind of determination within the squad that they want to get this Scudetto over the line for once now as well. Um, But yeah, back to that original point, are you worried about how they're getting these winners at the moment? I mean, it is the sign of a team that uh, is going for the Scudetto. I normally those type of goals are the ones that ultimately make the difference in winning the season or not. So uh, it does worry me, mm. uh, especially because most of the time it's 
I mean, not most of the time, but quite often it's Marti Lautaro Martinez scoring. And he's been incredible this season for Inter, really and um, truly taking the armband uh, to himself and the team on his shoulders. Uh, so it's going to be a, a challenge. It's going to be very interesting. And we're playing at Sancero also. So I think that gives them also a bit more of an edge. Um, in the first game we were playing at home, we drew 1-1. And it did feel like both teams were kind of okay with that result at the time. Um, I don't think this time around it will be the same uh, uh, approach mm. because I think that both teams will be looking to send a message and inter that are focused. Their primary objective this year has clearly been to Serie A. They will want to uh, send a message that they're in to win and uh, not just to get a draw. Mm. And if we move the conversation to Napoli, obviously, like I say, very unlucky, I think, if you don't have that red card. I think it's probably an even tighter game. Kfaretz Kellia had a chance as well. And I'm starting to wonder whether, you know, Walter Mazzari is starting to get something out of this team at the moment. However, having said that, there was already rumours of Jose Mourinho potentially having conversations with Di Laurentiis. Now, yeah. it, it, it transpires that that move is unlikely to happen because... The, apparently as part of the kind of league legislation, a manager or coach like Mourinho can't be managing two teams in the same season in Serie A. So that's quashed it straight away. However, Francesco, I pose you this question. Do you think we will see Mourinho next season lining up in Naples? I think it's going to be a bit tricky. I think it's uh, the um, fantasy football uh talks that we have in January uh, when one team is performing not at its best like Napoli was. Although, as you said, I think they're starting to pick up uh, their form. Mm. Uh, it wasn't as straightforward for uh, Inter in the Supercoppa final. And as you said, if Simone didn't get the red card, and I think even before Napoli were unlucky not to uh, score on a few occasions, as were Inter. Yeah. But... Uh, I think that uh, also for this type of football that Napoli want to play, I don't think Mourinho is really the best coach for them. Mm. Uh, so I don't really think uh, that there's a lot of chances we see in next year in uh, Napoli. Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, what makes me laugh as well, Di Laurentiis pretty much slagged off Mourinho when he was at Inter Milan. So it's strange how these kind of circles have come back to kind of maybe potentially form a partnership. And um, I can't see Di Laurentiis giving a lot of money to Mourinho, even if he was offered the role. I can't see that happening because Mourinho traditionally wants a lot of money when he takes up a new role to sign his own players. But yeah, I can't see that happening, especially with Di Laurentiis wanting to be the key man, the man that controls how things are taking place at the club as well. So yeah, let, let's wait and see. We'll watch this space, but I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. We'll see. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Francesco, we'll move into then what took place in England, which was the Carabao Cup second legs of the semi-finals. So as we were kind of building into this, Chelsea were losing the first leg against Middlesbrough 1-0, um, but they emphatically made it look easy mm. on this occasion against Middlesbrough, winning 6-1. Um, all I would describe Middlesbrough was they looked like deers with headlights shining through them because um they seem shocks um but yeah from your kind yeah. of you, you said you watched a little bit of this match i mean what was your impressions of chelsea i mean 
one of the key questions that I've got for you is that they did look stronger, um, maybe took advantage of this inexperience from Middlesbrough. Um, but do you think they've got enough to maybe beat Liverpool, given that it's only one game, right? I mean, it's, you can never really know uh, how a game is going to pan down. Uh, I do think Liverpool are favourites, especially in the form they've been. Um, I, I was a bit upset. I was really hoping that the Borough were going to make the, a goal for the upset yeah, against yeah. Chelsea and uh, knock them out. But as you said, Chelsea made it look easy. And I think more than Chelsea made it look easy, the Borough made it look easy yeah. uh, for Chelsea. Uh, they kept on trying to play from the back, even though it was clear that Chelsea was pressing high and trying to get to rub the ball in front of the goals. That's happened a few times. Um, so it will be interesting to see um, how Chelsea keep the form going until the, the final. But at the moment, seeing how Liverpool uh, are playing, even though against Fulham they they, they let themselves exposed to potentially uh, losing it, which was surprising. But they could have also scored more than uh, just one goal. So uh, I think it's uh, Liverpool are going to be favourites, mm -hmm. which, of course, put more pressures on them and put less pressure on Chelsea. So if Chelsea manage to somehow uh, get the upper hand or be in great form, they have some key players who can make the difference uh, like if Sterling has a good game, he can be a, a, a game changer. Enzo um, uh, Fernandez in midfield also can be really influential. So it will be interesting to to see uh, how it uh, how it goes. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, on the flip side, for Middlesbrough, although like you rightly allude to, they kept on trying to pass it out of the back, which every time they're just being chased down very easily. In particular, the centre-back, uh, Matthew Clark seemed to get exploited every time on that yeah. left-hand side. Every time he was passing it, they knew he was the man. He was the weakest player in terms of the ball retention and passing it out. But the one player that I was really impressed by, it was the striker that scored the goal, uh, Morgan Rogers. which when I looked into him, mm -hmm. he's an ex-Man City striker. So obviously he's got a good pedigree about him. Um I have to say, I think he'd do a very good job for a Premier League side one day. Um, he looks like a type of player that's got a lot about him, wasn't afraid to take a shot on. And even when they were losing at that point in the match, there was five goals already down, he scored a spectacular effort. So uh, for me, I think he's a guy to yeah. look out for in the future. But as you rightly allude to, if we move into Wednesday, Fulham took on Liverpool. Now, the highlight, I don't know if you saw this, Francesco, but... Um, the stand was um, obviously made up for the atmosphere. So they set these flags. Um, it looks like a Ku Klux following was going to take place, um, unfortunately. So it didn't look too great. However, when the kickoff did take place, yeah. um, the flags were flying um, and the atmosphere was quite decent. Um, but I have to say that goal that was let through by Leno, um, Louis Diaz has a good shot on goal, mm. but I think possibly Leno should have done probably better on that occasion. And I think that kills a tie off. However, it was a very entertaining game. And, you know, Fulham, despite that, they took the game to Liverpool, even though they were counted a few times. And there was a few times where I thought, oh, Liverpool are going to score more goals. But luckily, Fulham did stay strong. 
and um, they took it to them, which is credit to them. In the second half in particular, Harry Wilson had a shot from distance, was unlucky. And Tosin, I thought, he's a fantastic defender. Now, he's been linked with AC Milan, apparently, um, as yeah. a potential signing. I mean, I'm sure Juventus would love to have a centre-back like him as well, to be fair. Um, but what was your impressions <laughs> of this match? Because Fulham, I thought, were full credit. They deserved something out of the match. Uh, I think if I was a Fulham fan, um, these type of games are the one that gives me hope in the league that uh, they can really uh, put up a fight against anyone and uh, pick up form to get out of any troubles regarding relegation. Mm. Uh, if they keep hold of the key players, Alinea, uh, Adelabayo, as you said, and uh, I don't see why they can't uh, uh, stay safe without having any type of uh, of worries. Um, I think against Liverpool, um, the Liverpool could have scored one or two uh, in one or two other occasion. I think Luis Diaz was just running at the defense, yeah. like if he was on another, on a completely at a different level. Uh, there's with the element of chaos that is Darwin Nunes up front, Luis Diaz was getting so much space and just exploring it uh, at whenever he wanted. Mm-hmm. So I think that Fulham did after Fulham scored the equalizer. That's when they started picking up a little bit more and getting some chances to to score. Even before they had a few, but Liverpool were definitely a bit more in control. Um, but as I said, as a Fulham fan, I think these type of games are the one that uh, would give me uh, uh, hope that uh, they won't be dragged into any relegation battle. Yeah, no, 100%. I think they are pretty much pushing for now mid-table. And it wouldn't surprise me if they get into the top 10 this season. Um, on Liverpool, though, obviously they're going to be the favourites for this competition anyway. But do you think... Obviously, with this, as well as the Europa Cup competition, that which they're doing quite well, and I would say they're also favourites to win that, potentially, because of the strength of their squad. Mm-hmm. Do you think they've got enough to complete like a treble? Do you think they'll also do the league as well at this rate? Uh, in the league, at the moment, um, they're in great form. Mm. Their winning games were they make it look easy, even though it wasn't. Uh, I watched the last one against Bournemouth and I think you guys were discussing it of how it seemed a game where it could have gone either way but in the end it ended 4-0 for Liverpool so uh, I think those strong performances missing your best player with Salah out mm. to Afghan although he's injured they know they're going to miss him for a month but um, their players were able to um, uh, grab the chance and uh, Perform Jota, I think, is uh, among the best finishers. At least he can shoot with both foot. He's good with his head. Um, they have again, Luis Diaz, again, a player that, if given time and chances to play, can really be influential. Uh, and so I think um, it will depend again a lot on on them if they manage to. Uh, balance their energy out. And the Europa League, I think they're the favourites because the fact that there aren't really, at the moment, a lot of teams that seem to be at their level. Mm. And if they get some ties where they can manage to close the 
uh, the games in the home game or to, on the first round, and then in the second one they know that they have very little chances of uh, of losing it. Then it could give them that space to focus on the next game in the league and make sure they get the result in that one. So uh, I think that I mean, they should definitely uh, look at winning the Carabao Cup because then you have at least the first trophy in the in the and then you can look at the next ones and focus on uh, getting the results to uh, to achieve the treble, small treble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because the real one we know should be with the Champions League. This is very true. This is very true. I have to say, though, they've got Andrew Robertson, who was on the bench for this match. So he looks like he's going to be, in the next few games, reintroduced to this squad. And then Salah, obviously, he was brought back from the African nations recently because of his injury for Egypt. So... It looks like the rehab will take place in Liverpool. So again, he'd probably be in time for at least that final against Chelsea. So be fascinating mm-hmm. to see what kind of levels he will kind of demonstrate once he's back in the squad as well. Because by all accounts, he didn't have a great AFCON. I think Egypt's played better when he wasn't in the squad, which was fascinating. Um, but the AFCON is a different story altogether, which we'll have to save on this occasion. But yeah, you've been watching a bit of it, haven't you, Francesco, as well, to be fair. And uh, we've been seeing a lot of the favourites really struggling in this competition so far. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I've seen a, a few games. I've watched uh, the highlights of uh, almost all of them. And uh, as you were saying, a lot of the favourites uh, aren't performing as well as they were expecting to. Mainly, I think Ivory Coast, um, which normally the home nation in Afghan has been the winner of the competition 33% of the time or something like that. I remember reading about it, which uh, then made me think, okay, well, Ivory Coast, who have already a strong team, yeah. uh, should have a good chance of winning it instead of that they're going through um, as best, one of the best third uh, positions in the group. And uh, and funnily enough, they're going through without a coach because the coach was fired after they were, they ended up third in their group. So <laughs> apparently, the coach of the under twenty one is going to take over for uh, the rest of the competition if they manage to uh, to get uh, through the round of sixteen and into the quarterfinals, um, which could be something that happens. Uh, I have to say, though, Senegal, which is of course are the holders of the uh, of the competition. Have been playing quite well. I mean, they 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 won against Cameroon quite easily, and they went they won the group without having too much of a trouble. They have a really good effective, which is in between the golden generation of Mane, Koulibaly, and Mendy, and some new young players like Kamara. And uh, uh, so I think the I can still see them a bit as favorite, but there's been teams that no one has been. I mean. I say no one. People who follow uh, probably uh, Afcon mm-hmm. have a bit more of an idea, but uh, to to me at least, uh, I've been surprising in, uh, in the way they've been. I think uh, it was, I want to say, Equatorial Guinea. I'm not sure Guinea, if it's yeah. which they've been incredible. Guinea, who topped the group <laughs> with Ivory Coast in it. Yeah, beating Ivory Coast four 0 I think. I think it was four two. Yeah, four 0 actually. Amazing. Yeah, sorry, you were correct. Yeah, four 0 Yeah. 4-0. yeah. An amazing football. Um, so I mean, it's uh, it's definitely an, an interesting uh, Afcon to follow. And um, but I remember reading uh, an article that said that um, the team from North Africa normally tends to have a hard time performing whenever the competition happens 
kind of below the equator in the central mm. part of the yeah. of the continent. So it's in a way not so surprising that the likes of Morocco, Egypt, Algeria have been struggling to to perform. Yeah, this is very true. Um, bringing it back to Carabao Cup news, listener, you may recall that me and Rory a few episodes ago were kind of having a disagreement around why this competition has two legs. Now, obviously, it's come to light that the EFL are prepared to make the tie only one-legged. However, the Premier League are very ignorant and are determined not to share any more money that they make in the Premier League. So therefore, for next season, the Carabao Cup will remain a two-legged semi-final. So there you go, guys. It's not going to happen next season anyway. So join us after this break and me and Francesco will be talking FA Cup as well as Serie A. And we're back and we're going to preview this weekend's games, but we're going to start off by going into Serie A. So Francesco, take us away into Serie A and tell us what other fixtures that are taking place this weekend. So the fixtures this weekend start off on Friday with Cagliari uh, and Torino. Uh, we'll see if the Cagliari team will be able to honour Gigi Riva with a win. That would be uh, quite mm. special. And uh think it would be a very nice way of uh, saying goodbye to uh, the icon he was for uh, the, the the town yeah and uh, then um, the rest of the weekend the interesting games I think uh, Bologna against Milan could be something to keep an eye on mm. as we know Bologna have been playing some great football so they could always mm. uh, be trouble for a Milan side who one against Udinese with a very clutch win and not the best of performances. Uh, but the two big games are, of course, on Sunday. Uh, Lazio against Napoli, uh, which will be a very interesting uh, uh, game. As I said, uh, Napoli has been picking up in form. They're still missing Osimè. They will missing, be missing Simeone. So most likely we'll see a front three of... Uh, smaller players with Raspadori probably leading the line um, mm. but I think uh, they will probably uh, be putting Lazio into uh, they will put in, they will put pressure in, uh, in Lazio Lazio I think have been underperforming this year um, yes, there's 100%. been you but can they, feel they're the starting mid- to pick up some results aren't they when you look at the league table i mean i i can't yeah. believe that they were so high up this is a thing and what did you make of the rumors about sergey milinkovic savage apparently he wants to return to lazio uh, because he <laughs> saw them obviously in Riyadh because they yeah. were in the supercoppa um do you think there's a chance that lazio bring him back I mean, how? Economically speaking, I don't see how I know, that could I know. be happening. Especially Tito is not the kind the of person to spend money anyway. <laughs> yeah, especially with the growth decree being uh, being uh, written off. Well, yeah. Uh, this is this a, said, yeah. we've seen player already, at least a few players, maybe more uh, tomorrow, known one, John Anderson, uh, going back to Europe by terminating his contract. Mm mutually terminating his contract with uh, his team in Saudi. So maybe the same could happen with uh, Milinkovic-Savic. Who knows? To be honest, I was really surprised this summer when he decided to go to Saudi. Player of his stature, mm. he could have picked probably any team in Europe 
um, to go to, and instead he went to uh, to new project. Have more minutes uh, under the belt than uh, than Fiorentina, but they're also a team in form. So the it would be uh, I think an Inter win. Uh, Fiorentina they play some good football. They have some interesting players, but Inter are just a, a force. And uh, with the, the form that Lautaro Martinez is in, Chanaloglu has been incredible. Uh, mm. I think also I read that um, Bastoni and Dumfries should be uh, possibly back for the game or at least uh, they're starting to, to train uh, with the team. So that those, those two would be uh, great additions back into the team in the, in the defense line on the, and on the wing. And Well, yeah... I was going to say also one other one other fixture that I would like to pick up is Hellas Verona versus Frosinone. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, nothing big about it, but there's a lot of repercussions because obviously Frosinone got the victory last weekend. Hellas Verona probably could do with that win in particular, but as you're probably aware of, Francesco, they're selling more of their squad. I don't know yeah. what they're going to play with, but. We've just seen the scenes of Milan Juric pulling up at Monza. Obviously, Josh Doig has gone to Sassuolo. Um, I don't know what team is going to turn up for this match. But, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in Marco Baroni's shoes right now because he's somehow got to get this team to stay up at the same time. Um, do you see a chance for Hellas Verona to stay up? Because this seems to happen every season. They sell players in the January transfer window. And we always say... They're not going to stay up. They can't stay up because they haven't got the quality. Yet they always prove us wrong on this show. It's probably the podcast yeah. we just curse <laughs> on everyone. But um, this match could be fascinating, right? This match could be interesting. I think it could be interesting, but I think it is because of Frosinone and not because of uh, Hellas Verona. Um, uh, I mean, Hellas Verona, I remember reading at some point that uh, they were having some... Um, issues in terms of the ownership of the club uh, yeah. and um, uh, seeing that the last time they played against Cagliari was a, a crazy game that ended 4-3 for Cagliari yes. with uh, a win in the 97 yeah. minutes which was crazy uh, but Frosinone they're for me a very interesting team to to watch play um, because mm. first it, it's kind of a redemption for Di Francesco as a coach after he did so great for Sassuolo. He did okay with uh, Roma. But then when start, things started not going well, uh, all the blame was put on him. And after that, it never really seemed like he was able to get back to the Sassuolo time. Now it looks like he's a little bit back on track. Um, and Frosinone, most of all, have a lot of uh, players coming through the under-20 uh, team. Uh, so Matias Soule is on loan from Juventus and he's having an amazing season. I really, really hope that we will keep him and not just cash in on him when he comes back. Um, Caio Jorge is not playing as much as uh, as no. we would have probably hoped for, uh, but he's starting to also show glimpses of uh, what he can do. Mm. But in in midfield has been solid. Uh, that's another player that mm. um, we I will keep in, as a Juve fan. I will keep an eye on for. Uh, and then we were supposed to we, they were supposed to have uh, Hulsian also that ended up going to Roma, 
uh, on loan. Yeah. Uh, I think he had everything was ready for him to go to Ferdinone and last minute he got a call he from was... Mourinho who told him come yeah. to Roma and uh, play for us. He went, Mourinho got sacked. But I mean, uh, if he gets uh, experience playing in Europe, I think that would be brilliant. That's and, good, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think it'd be, it's an interesting game. Um, I yeah, I would say that's the main two ones of again uh, Lazio, Napoli, and uh, Fiorentina, Inter. Yeah, definitely, and I mean the other games just quickly run through. We've got Salentana taking on Roma on Monday night as well. Uh, Salentana desperately needs some points on the board. Yeah. Um, but Francesco, one thing to add. It sounds like Jerome Boateng will be signed by the end of this week for Salernitana, so that'll yeah. be a good boost for them. Uh, but the other name that is linked is Super Mario Balotelli, potentially joining Salernitana. Um, would you entertain Super Mario back in Serie A? I mean, it would oh, be a man. hell of a, an, an achievement for Salernitana to get him on board, right? Yes, I mean, he would be quite... Uh... I mean, Balotelli, we all know the player he is and can be. Um, <laughs> so I think that having him back on Serie A will give it a bit of that zest uh, that mm. uh, can benefit any team he plays in. Uh, so uh, I would be quite happy to see him back uh, in, uh, in the Serie A. No, 100%. 100%. So... On that point, I will take us through the FA Cup matches. So, as of this evening, as we record on Thursday, Bournemouth have just beaten Swansea City five nil. So there we go. We've already got our results for the first round or for the fourth round. So that means Bournemouth are through. However, let me take you through. If you're listening to us on a Friday night uh, or Friday even, for that matter. On Friday night, we will see the following fixtures. Now, the big ones that I'm going to call out here are Chelsea versus Aston Villa, as well as Tottenham at home to Man City. That's an 8 p.m. kickoff. In the other two games, we've got Bristol City, who did fantastically well against West Ham. They face another Premier League side in Nottingham Forest. And also, we've got Sheffield Wednesday versus Coventry City. Now, Francesco, this used to be a Premier League tie back in the mm-hmm. day. So um, it should be an interesting game in itself. Um, but let me take you through the other fixtures in the FA Cup. So on Saturday, Ipswich Town take the lowest tiered side in the competition, still left at this stage, Maidstone United. So they did fantastically well against Stevenage in the previous round. They're hoping to have another giant killing. Let's see what happens there. Um, but the other games that will take place, there's a lot of Premier League time ties really being played here, Francesco. So Everton versus Luton Town. We've got uh, Sheffield United versus Brighton. Fulham taking on Newcastle. In the other kind of championship ties, we've got Leeds United versus Plymouth Argyle and Leicester City versus Birmingham City. And then if I move on to Sunday's fixtures, we have got a bit of a West Midlands derby. So we have got West Bromwich Albion versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. So that could be a bit of a grudge match there. Um, Watford versus Southampton. Nothing to write about there, unfortunately, Francesco. Uh, Liverpool versus Norwich City. And we've got another small side taking on Man United. So we've got Newport County who beat in the previous round Eastleigh. Um, they face off with Man United. So that'll be weird surroundings for Man United. That's a 4.30pm kickoff on Sunday. And then finally, on Monday, the glamour tie, so to speak, is 
Blackburn Rovers versus Wrexham. So uh, Wrexham much talks about Ooh. in the last few years because of what they've done rising up the league. So um, yes, with that uh, American money. So the Hollywood duo are obviously hoping for a bit of a giant killing there as well, Francesco. Um, yeah. Out of those ties, any any kind of underdogs, any teams you fancy maybe causing a shock? Um, I mean, it would be amazing to see um, the... Man United lose. I'm trying to. I'm reading the names. <laughs> I don't. But uh, Newport County beating United that would be uh, an amazing uh, uh, scene yes. to to uh, to witness. Um, I mean West Brom against Wolves. You never know Wolves. They're not playing the best football, so it could be interesting to see what happens there. Um, yeah. And I mean, as you said, uh, Wrexham. Uh, looking at uh, expanding their brand and another win <laughs> against a bigger club could be something that helps. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're focusing more on getting back-to-back promotions, which they seem likely to achieve. Yeah. Uh, so it will be interesting to see. Funnily enough, I'm really following the the League One, not only for because Wrexham is there, uh, but uh, I'm looking at uh, Notts County, who went up with them, uh, hoping yes. that they also managed to get at least into the playoff zone. And Notts County have a, 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 a history with Juventus, because they're the reason we they have do, the black yes. and white shirt. Yeah. So they're a team that I've always uh, kept, an, kept a nine on that for. <laughs> We'll have to get you a Notts County shirt one day. That's for sure. <laughs> one day, oh, yeah, Francesco. That should be, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Right. So at that stage, we'll leave it there. Um, we are now going to show us some tiki taka skills, I think. This is the reason, Francesco, I think Rory's not here. He didn't want to lose again. So instead, it's <laughs> going to be me taking on Francesco. Join us after this break. My name is David Artel, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian pod. And we are back and we're ready to take on Tikitakato and it's me versus Francesco. So, Francesco, I'm going to give you the opportunity to choose what game we're going to play. So we've got a choice of Serie A, Premier League or European League football. So which one would you like to play? Uh, Let's go with European League. It's the best chances for both of us. So, guys that are listening, uh, I will talk you through it. So, in the top row, we have got Bayern Munich, Man United, and managed by Sir Alex Ferguson. And going down, we've got Milan, Coppa America even, sorry, and Inter Milan. So, Francesco, given that I gave you the choice to uh, choose what game, I will also give you the opportunity to start. So, where would you like to start? I will go with Bayern and Inter. I will go for Pavar. Pavar. Benjamin Pavar. We just signed this season, and Benjamin Pavard is definitely on board. So well done. Um, I will, in that case, go with Man United and Copa America to block you, Francesco, and I'm mm. going to go for <laughs> Diego Forlan. Ooh, good one. And I'm on the board. I'm on the board. Now, Mm. Francesco, where are you going to go? 
very tricky one. I will go with Inter and Man United. Mm -hmm. And I will go for Henrik Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan. Henrik Mkhitaryan, which I know is correct. So well done there. Ooh, so I'm going to have to try and block you. I'm going to go with managed mm. by Ferguson and Inter. And I'm going to go for Matteo Damian. Wrong. Is Ooh. That, is saying I would have thought wrong? that it was... Ah. No, I would have thought that's, you, you, you that's blocked me. I was really... Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Well, this okay, is your so opportunity, Francesco. You could kill this game. But I'm really struggling to go back to the times of Ferguson. It seems so long ago. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to need a minute here to... So is that Wesley Schneider you're thinking of here for managed by Ferguson Inter, yeah? So I went in the spot that was Man United and Milan and it was Yapstam. Ah, uh, yeah. So I'll show Good you one. In a minute. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, so now it's my turn. Yep. Okay. Um, so then, Bayern and Milan. Or if I go again with Inter and managed by Ferguson. Um, who was... Um, very, very tricky one. Uh, no, because Ibrahimovic was at Man United long after Ferguson. So I don't think that could be mm. it. No, John B. Mikkel, no. Uh... 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm gonna stuck on the not being able to find someone. <laughs> I know, right? Can you can you try Van der Vaart? Go into and someone manage Van der Vaart. Yeah, where do you want that? Yeah. Sorry, on the what here? But managed by yeah. Fergie and Inter. Yeah. Although I don't think he ever played for Inter, actually. Yeah, this one. Yeah. Alright, I'll give it a go. Raphael van der Vaart is incorrect. Yeah. So, I will go Bayern and Copa America, and I'm going to go for (laughs) Claudio Pizarro. Oh, very good one. And it's incorrect. Believe oh, me. I was incorrect. Um, then I will so. go for the same Bayern and Copa America, uh, and I will go yep. with Lucio. Oh, Lucio, of course. Incorrect. Mm. Um, I will go for the same spot then as well because. I I I can't believe neither ah, of yeah. the are correct, but I'm going to go for Roque Santa Cruz because, again, because, yeah, incorrect. Again. I don't know what's going on here. Hmm. This this is unreal. So does that's got to mean someone's got to have won the Copa America and yeah. played for yeah, Bayern? Yeah. I was thinking that. So yeah, so it's played in Copa America and um, Martin De Michelis on Copa America and Bayern. That's uh, a very good shout. Because he was a bit of a... And still incorrect. So obviously he didn't win it in his time for Bayern, yeah. potentially. Hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to change tactics. I'm going to go managed by Ferguson and Milan. I'm going to yeah. go for David Beckham. Ah, that's a brilliant one. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, good shout. So now I've got to work out that one player, Bayern and Milan, <laughs> but you could block me here. So let's see. Where are you going to go, Francesco? Yeah, I need to. Uh, I've been trying to think Bayern and Milan who played in both teams. I'm having yeah. a hard time. Van Bommel. Such a great play. Great shout. Great shout. He's going to block me, but I've got to hand it to you. Well done. So, what do I do here? Do you know what? I'm going to gamble here. I'm going to gamble. I'm going to go Copa America and managed by Alex Ferguson. I'm going to go Anderson. Ah, good shout. But which one out of all the... Born, I think it's this as well. Yeah, yeah. Date of birth. It's got to be. There you go. Yeah. So this is dilemma for you, Francesco. Dilemma Hmm. for you. Copa America and played for Bayern. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of. I mean, not that many actually. No, these. That I can think of. 
And I think who did Inter sell, sell to Fergus to Man United? Because uh, it's most likely. Do you know what? That, that Do you know what, Francesco? Around. Not to rub it in, but I think I've got an answer for both now. Ah. Uh, either way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me focus. I don't want to drag this on. Uh, Inter and managed by Ferguson. And I'm gonna go with. Uh, can I go with Forlan? Could it be? For Inter, Inter and, and Ferguson. Ferguson. Let's give it a go. Could he be twice? Correct. Well done. Huh. You have won the game. Who, who I'm, was the I'm intrigued to do the reveal. Yeah. But what I was going to tell you, Francesco, I was going to go here with managed by Ferguson and Inter. I was going to go with Paul Ince. Oh, great. Great job. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then just, I'm just curious, you know, the um, Copa America with Bayern Munich, I was going to go for Z Roberto. Do you remember him? The Brazilian. Very good shot, yeah. Let me just see. Let's see yes. what he says, though. It was C. Roberto. It was C. Roberto. Oh. Ah, very oh. good shot. Well, well done, Francesco. You are the winner of today's Tiki Taco. My winning streak um, so far. By you're, you've maintained the 100% record. Goal. <laughs> uh, it was quite... That was much tighter than your match against Rory. That's all I'm going to say. So I'm proud uh, of myself yeah. for at least making it a bit more respectable. <laughs> um, but Francesco, thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. Um, it was much appreciated. Um, obviously, we'll see you on the other side after your results with Empley. Let's see what Juventus can do this weekend. Um, Absolutely. But, um, yeah, hope, hoping you have a good weekend as well, more importantly. And... Um, viewers and listeners hope you're having a great weekend as you're enjoying this podcast make sure you give us a like and subscribe on youtube and all our other social media platforms so make sure you follow us on twitter or x as they call it these days mm. at italian anglo pod or if you're on tiktok or instagram follow us at anglo italian pod and i'm gonna sign you out with a quote from Roberto Baggio about the late, great Gigi River. And he said, Dear Gigi, friend of many battles and as many wounds, life has united us in a journey which we lived with love and infinite passion for the most beautiful game in the world. You were a unique and precious example of great humility. To me, you are a beautiful example of coherence, attachment to the jersey, and genuine courage. Rest in peace, Gigi. Ciao, ciao, everyone. Bye, guys. Podcast Network.